0: It's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And welcome back. to of to the Cooler Jets podcast. Where it host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael, what an electric way to end the preseason. The Jets are now 3-0 and in this preseason. It wasn't always perfect, but luckily they had a guy by the name of Chris Trevor that could always bring in off the bench to save the day and... I have to say, Michael, this is the first time I've seen the Jets win in person. I know it's preseason, uh, but going to the game, uh, the last two games I've been to, they got curb stomped by the Patriots. So, this is a pretty great experience for me. And, and anytime you see a, a game-winning touchdown, it, it, it's great. So we have a lot to talk about today. The roster cutdowns are tomorrow on Tuesday. So we'll give a, a brief 53-man roster prediction. We got the dress rehearsals. We got to talk about the starters. And then, in my opinion, maybe the most interesting topic today is the little the Chris Strebler versus Mike White debate for, for QB3. So let's just hop right into it. Michael starting offense. Some people criticize it a little bit. Uh, I mean, it's fair. The Jets had two turnovers, a punt and a field goal. Um, so maybe the end results weren't that great, but in my opinion, I, I felt like the categorization of the Jets, you know, offense, be, starting offense being like extremely alarming or something was kind of hyperbolic. I mean, they were moving the football. I've seen too many Jets offenses struggle to get a single yard for me to really hate on this that much. I felt like the Jets were moving the ball and were on their way to scoring. Um, just what were your thoughts on the Jets starting offense performance?
1: Oh, I, I agree hundred percent. I think, you know, it's definitely fair to come out of this and think, you know, were the results a little bit disappointing relative to what you might expect, you know, against the Giants backups defense. Sure, absolutely. And then, you know, if it were a regular season game and you have four drives and you get three points, two turnovers, and a punt, then yeah, for sure, those aren't good results. But just looking at the process of how the Jets offense was going about things, it looked pretty good for the most part. I mean, they weren't going three and out. They're gaining yards. They're getting first downs. Um, They're moving the ball pretty well. They just had a few big plays that didn't really go their way. Uh, Well, big mistakes that they made, you know, Carter had a fumble. Flacco threw a a terrible interception. Uh, And then they didn't convert um, on that third down on the field goal drive. Um, So they didn't make those big plays that they needed to, but, you know the yards were there, the first downs were there. Um, altogether, they had six first downs across these few drives. Um, we've seen the Jets struggle to get six first downs in an entire half before, let alone just four drives. So, um, so yeah, I think you could have expected more. There are some concerns to take away from it. I think Flacco's performance was um, not terrible, but you know the downfield accuracy was a little shaky. The interception wasn't good. Uh, he made some good decisions underneath, but, um, you know, some questions with his performance, run blocking wasn't great, but the skill position weapons, I think were fantastic. The way the ball was spread around, the separation, the plays after the catch, um, and then Carter and Hall's uh, ability to turn poorly blocked plays into successful runs. Um, all of that was really good. And then play calling, I also think was effective. They were, uh, LaFleur is really effective at the bootleg game, just creating options. Um, For Flacco, they were easy to take advantage of. So overall, I think there was a lot of good with the starting offense. The results weren't there because a couple of costly mistakes, uh, but the the overall uh, process that I think you saw from them was encouraging.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the you'd like to see the the starting offensive line create a little bit more space in the run game. And granted, this is the first time they've played together in, in a game. But like you said, I think Carter and Hall did a good job of making something out of nothing on a few plays. The pass blocking has been great uh, between the starters and the backups in the offensive line. They haven't allowed a, a single sack in any of the preseason games. So that's encouraging. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, I think there are positives and certainly some negatives. I mean, Flacco is Flacco. I mean, he... I, I think you know that interception if he just lofts it over carter that's a big gain for carter instead he tries to drill it right to him and it's it's thrown right to the linebacker and i think that's one of those plays where if that's wilson i i, I do believe that that's a gain for the jets and that's kind of the give or take is wilson's going to give you more of those improv plays whereas flacco is he's a lot safer at maybe some of those underneath stuff like you said those quick decisions where we've seen wilson struggle at times um but overall yeah i mean like i Look like, yeah, you would like the results to be better, especially against a a backup giants defense, but it wasn't like the jets got manhandled or they were stifled or it was just kind of like, all right, they moved the ball. They made a few, they had a few negative plays, but overall, I think you have to be okay with the performance. And, and certainly like you said, like in preseason, you're just trying to see the process, um, of this offense you're trying to see these weapons create space you're trying to see the blocking you're trying to see if this jets offense has an identity and i think you kind of saw that they were moving the ball they had their success and i have no doubt that if they played a full game that this Jets offense was going to continue to move the ball and get points case in point the back off offense came right in against the same backup defense with the same play caller and scored two touchdowns so it's not like it's not like it was the Jets starters got you know, trounced by the Jets or the Giants starting defense and then the backups came in the Jets court. It's the same backup Giants defense. And then the Jets backups came in and still did it. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, I would like to see Garrett Wilson get a little bit more run uh, with the starters. It seems pretty clear that it's Davis and more with Barrios as the starting slot receiver, but Wilson certainly brings a maybe a different element. I think Corey Davis, to me, it seems like he's had a pretty underrated training camp. He had another good week uh, this week. And so he's, he's earned that spot for sure. But like you said, it's just great to see how, how many weapons the jets have Tyler Conklin just continues to be a major factor. And the thing to me, and this maybe isn't, uh, this def- definitely isn't a point that's specific to the Jets starting offense, but you know, the Beckton injury is a real bummer. The Zach Wilson injury was really scary, but honestly, the jets got fairly lucky with the, the eventual diagnosis, but the jets have made it out of this preseason pretty healthy. I mean, compared to years past. And I think you have to be really happy with that uh, when, when you, talk about this preseason I mean every game this Jets team got better they made it out relatively healthy they've you know had some of these fourth quarter comebacks so you know all in all I'm pretty happy with it the starting defense I don't think you have to make any caveats for they looked terrific today they had the interception had that big sack the defensive line looked great you got to see Carl Lawson for the first time since the last Giants preseason game where he only played like three snaps and and he looked great uh, what, what did you think of the Giants defense, or the Jets defense, uh, rather? I thought uh, they looked about as good as, as you could hope. I know it was the Giants' backup offense, but still, they they certainly showed that's definitely the Giants' backup offense, the way they dominated
1: them. Oh, yeah, like you said, they're, they're, just watching this, you could see the pure dominance. And I guess it's fair to expect maybe the same thing of the offense because this, what the defense did, is exactly the type of overpowering performance that you hope to see when you get first stringers against second stringers um it was just it was overwhelming the way the the pass rush looked against that giants backup offensive line um and i was fixating on carl lawson i know you were as well and i'm sure a lot of jets fans were um because this was our first extended look at him in his jets career i know he played uh he played three snaps against the giants last year and that's all we've gotten out of him. but now you got to focus on him a little bit for multiple series and he was consistently getting off the ball really well uh, creating plenty of pocket cave with his bull rush um he had a one sack opportunity that he kind of missed on but you know it was uh, sort of a read option kind of play he had to respect the run but uh he was living on the backfield Quinnin was great um and then throughout the game there were other players with the second and third string who were also good but um Specifically, that first string unit, um, Lawson. Lawson also had a big run stuff. Um, it was a great performance. Carter hey, the can't second. forget Michael Carter. There you go. I yeah, he had a he had a short tackle um, for a minimal gain. Then he had the interception. He got in on that sack. Um, Sauce Gardner had another silent performance, um, and I think you could see the impact that sort of coming into play. You know, with that Carter interception. You know, that's where. Having a cornerback like Sauce Gardner can be so helpful because if the quarterback is just going to deliberately avoid that side so consistently, it really opens things up for the other side of the defense, kind of helps them, uh, helps make their jobs a little bit easier. So uh, first team defense came in and pretty much flawless performance, which is exactly what you wanted to see. Yeah, to me, the thing that stood out in this game from the starters
0: onward is just how much more talent the Jets have on the field. I mean, you were looking at some of the starters from last year and some of the guys that were playing yeah. in, in last year's preseason games, and it's it's just night and day how much more talented this Jets football team is, and, and certainly how much deeper they are. There's a lot of guys in this field that the Jets we forced to cut make have to make a tough decision, and guys who will get claimed elsewhere, which has been a rare occurrence the last decade of, of watching Jets football. So that's great. I mean, obviously, the – the starter level players of the jets certainly have question marks and things to prove but they are good question marks and things to believe in but the depth of this team is pretty unquestionable uh, on at most positions i would say um when you look at the depth of this team and you get to the guys past the starters because uh, like you said the starting defense is great starting offense uh, i would i would rate as good had their moments moved the ball but obviously couldn't come through and with some big plays but the the depth I mean, that's what all these preseason games really are, is the second and third stringers battling it out for, for the uh, bragging rights for the year. Who's the big brother? Who's the little brother in this meaningless football game? But there's one guy in particular we have to shout out, Denzel Mims, who decided to save perhaps his be- the best for his best for last. Um, Request a trade on, on Tuesday. The Jets say, all right, here you go. You're going to play. You're either going to up your trade value um, or you're going to make us – want to keep you or who knows what would happen but Denzel Mims certainly showed out uh, no matter who was that quarterback he made a ton of plays once he entered this game so from the backups who I mean who stood out to you I mean what were some of your takeaways from watching these backups play we're going to get into the quarterbacks Mike White versus Stravler. but ignoring White versus Straffler who were some of the backups that really stood out to you and maybe solidified their chances at making the roster or maybe even the practice squad
1: yeah well look I think we have to start with Denzel Mims I mean it's just wild that he waited this long to to pull this out. To have he basically equaled his production from last season in this one game. <laughs> he came very close to doing that. So um, this game was kind of what you hoped Denzel Mims would be, and obviously, you know, not the best competition, but um, this just the type of plays he was making. You know, tough catches over the middle, um. A, really the majority of his catches were like dig routes over the middle. And then obviously he had the, the go route later on. Um, but actually it wasn't really a go route. He's in the slot. It kind of was like a, you know, out went up little wheel. sort yeah. of route. Yeah. Slot wheel sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, this was the, this is who you thought he was going to be. And I, I do think you should be a little bit cautious about buying into this performance just because, you know, it is such an outlier at this point. You know, he is a, full season of bad tape from last year and two games this year where he struggled um but at the same time i think the timing is good for the jets I mean, considering. I can you say he struggled i don't know if he know sure he struggled in the two preseason games. in the first two well he did have the uh penalty and the drop yeah in but in that
0: game he had made first game, game. i don't know he certainly had tough plays in the first, like some bad plays but again it's not like he i don't know maybe 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 our definition of struggling is is different after watching how some sh- terrible football the last few years, but like he still made some some plays in the in the other two games. I don't know. I don't I mean, know. He didn't stand out, but it's not like he like
1: I, I just he makes too many mistakes for a wide yeah. receiver. And,
0: and I will say he does have some of the worst body language <laughs> I've ever seen from a receiver. True. The way he like saunters back to the huddle and kind of always looks like he's limping a little bit. And I don't know. I, yeah, I agree but, with you though that that makes yeah, the, maybe time, the timing him. is
1: good. I think the timing is good. The fact that you know the Jets are Probably going to be exploring, you know, looking to trade for him. I don't think it's guaranteed that they'll trade him, but they'll definitely look into it considering the what, request. What do you think they could get for him? I, th- I think I was feeling like a sixth is probably. You know, I, I, th- I think, I think. They Are you get more. shooting a little bit higher? You
0: Maybe so? this is completely recency bias. I think they could get if they, dude, they got a fourth for Chris Herndon. Which maybe is a complete outlier, but I think they could get a fourth for Denzel Mims. Hell, if enough teams are interested, maybe they they push it to a a conditional three or a late three. You never know. Joe Douglas has worked. I don't know.
1: I mean, the draft pedigree is there, but the production from last season. All right, let's let's think
0: about this. He's got a sixth for Jordan Willis. He got a fourth for Chris Herndon. What are some of the other ones? I mean, Joe Douglas has a track record of getting significantly more than you would expect. That's true. And the type of game that Denzel Mims just had, there are plenty of teams around the league who are looking for receivers. The Jets have been, you know, I imagine this is probably a just, you know, trying to up the trade value. But they've been pretty much like Denzel Mims is a part of this team. Like we have don't have, you know, I'm sure the Jets are going to explore it, but it's not like a guarantee that the Jets are just going to dump him doesn't seem like Denzel has a huge issue with the team or the coaching staff. It's more just like he wants to play. So, and, and, you know, I will say for a 6th i I'm keeping Denzel Mims. And I know you're like, well, maybe we shouldn't buy into this performance, but it'll happen. It happens every single year where the jets in December or November have a game where they're trotting out their fourth, fifth, and sixth string receivers. Um, And I don't know. I, I, He'll play if he's, if even if he's wide receiver number six, he'll have opportunities this year. I don't know. I I think, I think if they can get a fourth push for a three, they'll do it. But I don't think they trade him for anything less than that. Is is that recency bias? I mean, he is a second overall pick. We liked his rookie year. I don't know. I I just feel like a six is, is I agree with you
1: that they probably wouldn't do it for that price. I just think for me, that's probably the. I'm just trying to be more realistic. Dude, the about Bears, it, you know? the Cowboys. The, I mean, there are
0: plenty of teams that could use a receiver. I don't know. I, I feel like the Jets can get
1: a little bit I just feel like by this point, like it's his third year in the league. He was already kind of an older rookie. I think at this point, that doesn't matter. draft me. pedigree is out of, is out the window at this point. And it's just the it's production. Not out the
0: it's not out the window.
1: Not completely, but I think it is more like we have to be honest about this guy he was awful last year he was maybe the worst receiver in the league so i just okay, don't okay, think
0: okay don't get hyper ball he's not maybe the worst He okay, wasn't good. let's
1: talk about his numbers 11 games eight catches on 20 yeah, but
0: he didn't really play it's not like he was out there every single snap yes, know, he uh, did hold on, hold in terms on, hold on. of his
1: production in ter- per target and per route he was maybe the worst in the league
0: i just here's my thinking with denzel mims second round pick two years ago, plenty of GMs who liked Denzel Mims are still GMing teams. I think that his rookie year was promising. He missed all of, all of training camp in the first seven games of the year. And he came in and like you said, Michael go back to this point a year and a half ago, we were high on Denzel Mims. It wasn't like he came out of the gates. And was, yes. He had plenty of great games his rookie year. Then he gets food poisoning and he drops 20 pounds It's a new system. He misses all. Okay. OTAs. Let me ask
1: you this though. Let me ask you this. Does the food poisoning affect, him knowing yes. where to line up on the line yes. of scrimmage.
0: Yes, because he didn't get the reps. That
1: affects him knowing how yes. to line up on the line of scrimmage. Uh, well, okay. it's not,
0: it's not, a, it's not a clean excuse, but it, he certainly didn't get any reps in the OTAs. and many cases, the
1: the oh, drops no, no. that on, has on. To do with food poisoning.
0: Hold on, hey Michael, we're trying to sell him to other teams here. No,
1: okay, no, no, I'm
0: just kidding. But no, no, look, Mims has his issue. I'm not trying to act like Denzel Mims is is a top receiver in the league or something, but you're acting like he is. Devin Smith level. And it's like, this guy has made plays in the NFL and last year. Yeah. He was bad to say he was one of the worst receivers in the league. I mean, I'd have to go and and find some of these guys, but I've seen plenty of worse receivers play for the jets. He clearly the coaching staff didn't feel like he was a great fit in the offense. Clearly it's a hard system to learn. It's a system that requires a lot of nuance and Denzel Mims was drafted because of his physical ability. He was not a very refined route runner coming out of Baylor. And I think that, yeah, I mean, he, the food poisoning, missing all OTAs and mini camp. And I don't know. I just feel like you can kind of buy into the fact that if he changes scenery, you could get something out of him. So I I feel like there will be a team that'll offer a fourth for him. If they trade him, I think they at least get a fourth. I think a fifth and a six is, is way too low. And if that's all the jets get, I don't think they trade him. I don't think you rushed to trade him because like you saw today, and like you said, weak competition, whatever, you still got to see, okay, this is what Denzel Mims could look like in this offense. And that was big to me because we saw him in the Adam Gase offense where he got to run a lot more linear vertical routes and he didn't have to, uh, there wasn't as much nuance in terms of where he's lining up and how he's coming in motion. And does, he have to learn multiple positions. We got to see what does Denzel Mims look like in this offense. And I know it was against backups, but you saw him in those dig routes. You saw him, go up and get that touchdown in the corner of the end zone or at, at the pylon rather. I don't know. For me, I think there are plenty of GMs watching this 1 PM Sunday game, which by the way, great for a preseason. I hope the jets get one of those again next year. Cause that was awesome. Um, Plenty of teams watch that saying, you know what? I'll give up a fourth round pick for Denzel Mims. I don't know.
1: Maybe, maybe it's recency. I, I hope they do because I don't have any faith to be honest. So I, I, I would take screen. that as we'll a see. heartbeat. We'll see. Uh, here's what I think, though.
0: I do think there's a chance he just makes the roster initially, and then he doesn't get traded until before week one. I don't think. I don't think the Jets rush to trade him, and so they have 48 hours to do a trade. I don't know. I, I don't know. And coming off this type of performance, Michael, I don't know. We'll see. I just think I think you're shooting a little low on him, and I think that his physical ability, his ability to go up and get those tough catches, and his straight line speed, coupled with his athleticism and his height and his size. I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like there's a team out there who will buy into that. Um,
1: let's, hope uh, they do. Let's, let's hope they do. Let's hope,
0: let's hope they do. Okay. Outside of Mims, we, we've talked about the Denzel Mims. Well, okay. Last thing though. Do you think he's traded? Gone to your head? Yes. Yes. Before, I do. Before, before week one. And what do you yes. think it is?
1: I'll 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 go in between us and say it fits. I still think that's low.
0: Okay. I say he gets traded and I think it's, I so want to be bold and say a third, but I'll, I'll go with a fourth. A that's not going to
1: happen. That is a third round pick is so high for a guy who has Dude, done nothing. Would you have said Chris Herndon? No would you have said Chris Herndon? Years. Okay. Like, would just you, say, would the, you say Chris Herndon would get a fourth? I I know that Douglas has made a lot of great trades, but I just don't think that's going to happen. With him. I I don't think I don't. it
0: will. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know, I never know with the bidding war with Joe Douglas. All right, maybe maybe I'm being a little. I'll say, I say I say he gets traded for a fourth. Um, but I, if they anything less than that, I don't think they trade him. All right, well, we'll see. All right, outside of Mims, other backups. We'll get to Streffler versus White in a second. Other backups that either stood out to you in a good way or a bad way.
1: Um, I think Jamie Sherwood made some plays. I think he had a nice game. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know if Quan Alexander counts as a backup right now. Yeah. I, guess he, I guess he does because he didn't play uh, – well, he was playing with the second string, but he – had a huge hit to force the fumble and made some good plays, other than that as well. Um, yeah, I think those two guys stood out. In terms of a bad way, Ashton Davis definitely comes to mind first. Um three years in, just still doesn't know how to wrap up or take good angles. Um, I think he might have played his way off the team, which is which would have been a hard thing to do, you know, because he's a third-round pick in his third season. He should have been, easy track onto the and roster and in theory would be a
0: good scheme fit a guy yeah, who can play he, both
1: positions and is athletic and yeah exactly but um it's he just hasn't really done anything to warrant sticking around so at this point i would kind of be surprised if he made the team yeah. um zonovan knight had a big run uh, he really showed some that he really showed some speed on um other than that uh i think o-line just collectively deserves some credit for its pass protection both in this game and throughout the preseason um so those are some of the ones that stood out for me
0: yeah uh, nate herbig was a hell of a pickup by joe douglas and i bet you will be thanking our lucky stars for him at some point this season because it all injuries it will happen uh and herbig has been uh every time i watch him he seems to be winning his matchups will park's kind of the inverse of ashton davis i think has played his way onto this team and he's a guy who's been i have to say he's been so positive and upbeat on twitter this entire offseason, it just seems like he's a guy who's really bought into Robert Sala, you know, the way that he tweets and talks about him. And, you know, sometimes the guy on Twitter doesn't necessarily translate to the guy on the field, but you can see that Will Parks has been showing up and he's been putting in the work. And, and that's right. that's awesome to see. Yeah, um, Calvin Jackson, I mean, pfft, hell of a punt return. Two game winners this preseason. I think that if they decide to keep six receivers and they get rid of Mims, he'll make it. But I think he's also a guy you could probably cut and then we'll find a way into the practice squad. Um, because personally, and we'll get to our 53s in a minute, but I I think personally they kill with five and they cut him and try to sneak him in the practice squad. Another guy who I think goes to the practice squad is Cager, Lawrence Cager, the tight end. That's a tough one for me because I really he's enticing to me. And he is a guy I could potentially see getting claimed if there's a team that doesn't have that much that you know that many options at tight end and really wants to buy into him, because he is enticing his athleticism and his speed and his abilities he's a receiving tight end, his blocking still needs some work, but, and he did drop that. Granted it was a bullet by Mike white, but he did drop a ball over the middle, which would have been a first down. Um, yeah. I don't know. Those were some of the guys that, that stood out to me on the defensive line, the backup defensive line. I thought Clemens again, I mean, he's almost, I mean, like he, he's been showing up every single game that we almost forget to talk about him, but how about that hit he put on Tyrod Taylor? Yeah. I mean, he looks so terrifying out there. 72 fits him. I like that number on him. Uh, just Clemens just as a guy, I mean, he's a perfect epitome of all gas, no break. I also thought Jermaine Johnson made some plays too. Who's had, you know, maybe been outplayed a little bit by Clemens who's older than him and maybe more pro ready, but uh, I think Johnson had plenty of wins. He had one win on the, the pass interference. you pointed that out to me, which was fantastic about as good as it gets. Um, it was, you know, it ended up being a pass interference. And the Giants got the ball at the one, but if you go back and watch that play, Jermaine Johnson, absolutely toasts, um, his matchup and on the, the, the big hit that Clems laid on, on Tyra Taylor. That was another win by Jermaine Johnson. Um, I don't think you saw as many like the Bradley Anais and Nays and Tanzel smarts and Jonathan Marshalls. I don't know if they made as many plays uh, smart to me had some good ones. He could have dove in that fumble. He tried to pick it up. That's a mistake. And did have a, a, a big pressure and he forced to, you know, he knocked the ball out of, of uh, Davis Webb's hands. Um, I don't remember seeing Jonathan Marshall do much. So, yeah, I mean, those are some of the guys that, that stood out, I guess. Um, okay, last thing before the 53-man roster predictions, and this will lend us, this will segue us right into it. The Chris Trevler versus Mike White QB battle, probably the most interesting part of this game to me, um, going into the game and leaving the game. I thought both guys played well. Mike, like you said, Mike White certainly had his best performance of the preseason, but there it is, Chris Trevler again upstaging him again. Third time this preseason he's gone in after Mike White has had the jets at a deficit he's coming and he's won the game you have to be i mean you see the way this team rise around strevler you watch that that locker room speech and yeah i mean you watch the celebration how hyped up strevler is after that touchdown and it's hard for me to say that the jets should keep mike white who yes had that performance against the Bengals, but is mike white really that special i don't i mean no I, not to, not let's not just that, answer
1: it honestly no, no.
0: And look like, yes, maybe his ceiling is a guy who can come in as a backup quarterback and can complete the easy throws and can maybe keep the offense stable. And he had that great Bengals game and, and a good start at the Colts game, but you can't forget the Bills game, which he didn't look that good. in. you can't forget the two preseason games this game, which he looked pretty bad in this game. He looked good in, but again, strevler coming in and just making plays. He certainly adds the athletic element. I think he's maybe a more natural backup for Zach Wilson um he's a guy that i think if you did cut other teams might be interested i mean some other team might be interested in mike white but strevler to me just has something about him that i don't really want to let go um so okay what were your thoughts on both guys performances i thought they both played well obviously strevler outstaged him at the end there but i mean did you uh, what did you think
1: yeah i think like you said to mike white's credit this was his best game of the preseason and first good game of the preseason i think um, he definitely came in and did an okay job. I think you look at his stats; they oversell him a little bit. Uh, 13 for 17, 170, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, I think it oversells him a little bit because he did, you know, get the 20-yard screen touchdown for, with Barrios. He had a, a tipped pass that luckily Wilson caught for 15 yards or something like that. Um, so he had a few lucky breaks, but overall, he did he had some nice completions over the over the middle into tight windows um this was his sharpest performance but just as you said yet again chris treveller finds a way to come in and just completely overshadow everything mike white did um you know he's just ha- he just has that it factor about him as much as you can in a you know fourth quarter of preseason games um he's just got that energy and that that moxie to use that quarterback buzzword um he just comes in and the energy changes you know his ability to you know turn pressure and potential sacks, just scramble, keep the offense moving to, and his accuracy has been really good. Yeah. I I was going to say it's not, yeah. Sorry, keep going. Really all parts of the field. He's been throwing the ball. Well Um, before this game, we didn't see a ton in terms of the deep ball, but that pass he threw to Mims on that touchdown is as good as you can throw that pass. So, you know, he's just been very effective and, Pretty much all aspects. I, I think you could see why he's not, you know, a starting quarterback because he is he is quick to scramble, and I don't i don't think he'll, he'll ever be a quarterback who's going to grasp the whole playbook and be able to execute. I, I don't most, know he,
0: can you say our, that? All
1: right, come on. He was in the CFL. Let's, let's not get to it. All right, but hey, so is ourselves.
0: Kurt Warner was playing Arena League football. I mean, you can't okay. say for sure. Though. I see what you mean. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying. Let's, let's calm down. I, I'm not but saying he's I, Kurt Warner. I'm just saying you can't say for sure he'll never be that guy. I mean, he made he went through his reads in this game. It wasn't like every single play was well, I'm, a I'm one not read saying run. He,
1: you know, he never makes his reads, but I'm just saying, like but did, you he know, not, did, he not, did he not see why he's a fourth quarterback. Oh, absolutely. I'm not yeah, I'm not saying this guy should push for for
0: a starting job right away. I'm just saying he ran the offense better than Mike White did. And go back About to that the Falcons yeah, game. I, I
1: totally agree. I'm I'm just, you know, mentioning why he's you know not exactly a superstar or anything but i guess compared to mike white battling for qb3 like he clearly brings right significantly more tools to the table that you can work with right especially in this offense
0: i guess all i would say is i I think that yes all the improv uh, is exciting and the stuff that he can do athletically is exciting but he definitely made plays within the structure of the offense and made reads and and found guys over the middle. And, you know, like it wasn't entirely just, okay, this guy's just playing backyard football. Certainly there's an element of that. Certainly it might look different if it was a starting game and he's going up against Bill Belichick or something like that. But, you know, he made plays within the structure of the offense to the point where I really would keep him over Mike White. And to me, it's not close. And the, the one thing I'll give, the one caveat I'll give, and I say this every year is as fans, the, the luxury that the GM and the coaches have is they're with these guys every single day. They're with them in every single meeting. They've seen every single practice. They've seen them since OTAs. They have a better understanding of where these guys are and their grasp of the offense. So it'll be hard for me to, to criticize really any of these cuts, but from what we've seen on game day, three game days to be exact, it's pretty clear that Strevler has the edge over white Mike white and that the, and look, the team got hyped for Mike White when he beat the Bengals. I'm not going to act like the team like hates Mike White or something. I think they would love whoever wins in the game. But you watch how this team is ride around Chris Strebler three straight weeks. It's pretty special. So for me, I mean, look, this all might end up being a moot point because, okay, that's a battle between Mike White or Strebler. But then as soon as Zach Wilson's back, I think one of them's getting cut and placed on the practice squad anyway. But for me, for my money, I'm keeping Chris trevler And I think that lends us right into the Fifty-three man roster prediction. Uh, well, let me get your. Th- I know we you can open up with the fifty-three man roster prediction, but I, I on yours. Little spoiler: you do have the Jets keeping White, but that's more of what you think the Jets will do, which is probably. I would say that if if I was a betting man, I, I'd probably bet on White. Although there is a part of me that thinks that Sala and Douglas have the awareness to know that hey, this guy's a bit of a dog. Let's keep him in the building. But uh, you think the Jets will keep White? What would you do? GM Michael Nania, based off these three preseason games. And keep in mind, Streveler was a guy who wasn't getting any team reps before that Eagles game. So this is a guy who's had very limited team reps, and he's done this three straight weeks. He's come back. Who are you keeping?
1: Well, I totally agree with you. If I were in charge, it would be Streveler, and it would be a no-brainer decision. And I think the main reason for that is not just the fact that he's outplayed White this preseason, but it's also the fact that, in order for White to be, you know, for his position to be taken based on three preseason games, he has to come into this preseason not having the best resume. And that that's the fact with Mike White. I think he doesn't really deserve to not have his job taken based on preseason games because he does hasn't really done anything in the league. He has one good game. Even you look at his preseason production, pretty much every single preseason game he's played and he's played a lot of them with both the Cowboys and the Jets pretty much every single time. He hasn't been that productive last year. Zach Wilson was blowing him out of the water in the preseason. Nobody was impressed with what he was doing. Um, And then every other regular season game he played, wasn't that good except maybe a quarter against the Colts. Even that wasn't all that great. He had a dropped interception in that game. Um, So he, that's just the bottom line. I think white is a guy who's, hasn't really proven enough to where his his spot should just be guaranteed to be safe. So if Shreveler comes in and outplays him for three straight games and generally by a pretty significant margin, then I think it's definitely he, he deserves to take that spot based on his performance. Um, but I do think, and to get into our 53 predictions, uh, I, I am going to lean towards that they keep him just because you know he has a whole year, in the system from last season into this year plus the practice reps that strevler didn't even get until a few weeks ago um i I think they're going to lean towards white just because of that fact and and just in general with these that's dumb predictions yeah played him with less reps that's dumb nfl teams do dumb stuff they do dumb stuff that's we kind of know that by this point Um, i'll totally overreact i'll totally overreact if they cut him (laughs) i mean just just looking at roster predictions doing it for the jets the past few years like i think i've kind of found that generally when you're debating between you know the more uh favored player in terms of pedigree depth chart position versus you know the fan favorite who produces more who you want to see who might have more upside be more exciting usually it's a I think at least the you know the pedigree guy who gets it who is in higher favor with the team. So I'm going to lean towards that with White versus Strevler. But if it were up to me, it would be a no brainer for Strevler. But I, I'm going to lean towards White with my prediction.
0: Okay, so your quarterbacks are Flacco or Wilson, Flacco and White. Yeah. Mine are Wilson, Flacco and Strevler. I'm buying into it. I'm buying. I think that you're right. It's a real toss up for me, but I'm going to go with Strev. I'm going with my. With my heart here, maybe not my brain. I hope. I really hope they keep him. But as I said, it might all be a moot point. Like as soon as Wilson comes back, one of these guys is probably getting cut. Yeah. So unless Flacco goes down week one, or that Wilson doesn't come back until a few weeks later, and and he goes down, this will probably all not matter. But I'll I'll keep Strabler for now. At running back, I think we're the same. Keeping three: Carter, Hall, and Coleman. uh, I believe. Yeah. Yep. So. So, that, that means uh, cutting Ty Johnson, P. Ryan, and Zonovan Knight. I think Knight is a, certainly a guy that you're going to put on the practice squad. Uh, I think you can keep – I think you get, like, f- a few veteran spots. Like, what is it, five veteran spots of the 16 practice squad? I forget exactly how many it is. Um, but, you know, I think P. Ryan or Johnson, one of those guys might end up on the practice squad as well. Um, at receiver, I'm only keeping five. How many are you keeping? I have six for the receivers. So – I imagine that your six include my five, which are Moore, Davis, Barrios, Wilson, and Jeff Smith. Yes. Right, and then you, the sixth one
1: is drumroll, please. I have Calvin Jackson oh, at number okay. six. I think Mims is going to get traded, and I think Jackson sneaks on into that last spot. Yeah, I think
0: uh, it's hard because I, I really, I really do question if they could trade Mims before Tuesday. We'll see. Um, but I think Mims gets traded and I think they, I think Jackson's a guy you can put on the practice squad and there's a lot of tough cuts and decisions to make. This is an offense that doesn't, I mean, they, they ran a lot of 10 personnel last year, but to open up the season, I think five receivers is enough. The six guys. Uh,
1: yeah. I, I mean, always... actually now that you bring it up, I think in terms of initial 53, like two days from now, probably Mims will still be on it. Now that I think about it, this Maybe I think it's it's possible to the get a trade season. done.
0: It's possible to get a trade done on Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, maybe
1: after that deadline, you know, put Jackson in the practice squad, maybe trade Mims, then bring him up once he gets traded. Um so this might be more my prediction for the once the season comes around, more so than the initial fifty-three, but it could happen.
0: All right, then a tight end, uh I have Conklin, Uzama, Ruckert, and then I kept Wesco. Uh Bodden's been injured. I really did like Bodden more than Wesco. I think they can probably slip him onto the practice squad, though. I wanted to go cage over Wesco, but the special teams factor and then Bodden being injured and Wesco being able to give you fullback versatility, although Rucker could, in theory, do that as well. I'll keep Wesco. So do you have the, four, the same four tight ends? You go three. What, what's your tight end situation looking
1: like? Uh, I have the same four tight ends. Yeah, uh, I think Bodden definitely had a chance of an injury, I think. Just without getting a chance to evaluate him at all. I think it's kind of hard to to keep him based on that. Cause he didn't he played very little last year. So I think it's kind of hard to justify a roster spot without really watching him play. So I think Wesco has, you know, the tight end fullback versatility. They want blocking in their tight end. So I think it's gonna be him as that fourth tight end. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Cage and Yaboa are certainly practice squad candidates.
0: Uh and the other thing to remember with this too is even the the initial 53 probably won't be the 53 before week one because other guys will get cut around the league and the jets might cut some guys looking at the backup offensive line, uh, which we're about to get to next. Looking at you, Chuma Doga, because I have the starting five, Dwayne Brown, Tomlinson, McGovern, AVT fan. And then the four reserves I have, I haven't keep nine are Max Mitchell. Who's a lock Dan Feeney and uh, Nate Herbig, who, seem, who seemingly locks. And then Chuma Doga. I, I think this is pretty, probably the same. I think this is pretty much a lock initially, but keep an eye on this position in terms of one around the league that if it, if another backup offensive tackle shakes I could see them dropping a Doga and trying to add him. Uh, I assumed we have the same nine
1: offensive yeah, linemen. Yeah, I have the same offensive line. And I agree too. I think this is a position where um, maybe the most likely position for, uh, you know, picking up someone who gets cut from another team. Yeah,
0: um, absolutely. And then that has me at 24 guys on offense. I think you kept one more. So you're at 25. Defensively, when you look at the edge, I have now. This is this is where it gets really hard. The, the Jets defensive line is fantastic. The guys that cut here will get claimed elsewhere. Um, I have Carl Lawson, John Franklin Myers, Jermaine Johnson, Michael Clemens, Jacob Martin, who all who are all locks. Bryce Huff is probably a lock as well. That's six. And then I have him keeping seven. And I went with Bradley and Nay over Vinnie Curry and Jabari Zaniga, which was a really tough one. I went back and forth. My thinking is, is Vinnie Curry's been out with a hamstring for about a month now. I think they might be able to place him on the, the pup list. They might be able to cut him and bring him back. I think he's a guy that, you know, similar to, oh, what was his name last year? Why am I forgetting? the uh, Ronald, Ronnie Blair, who I think didn't make the initial 53 and then was kind of brought back one of the weeks. I think that'll be Vinnie Curry this year. He will probably get cut. I think he does have something like 800K guaranteed though. So I wonder how that works out um but they could put him on the pup list they could bring him back i, I think this is the last we'll see of any curry but for now i think anay it's either anay or zuniga and i think anay gets the nod it's close though because Aniga is a joe douglas draft pick he did have that really good week one game the the last thing to consider before i hear yours is when you look at defensive ends you know uh, huff martin anay and Lawson are all kind of maybe on the smaller side. Lawson does play with a lot of power. So maybe they try to go for a bigger guy. My reasoning is, is that JFM gives you that inside versatility. They can carry a lot of defensive tackles. Maybe keeping a smaller guy makes more sense. And Ane has looked really good. He had a great week of practice, had a great game yesterday, and he had another pressure today. So, Michael, what does your edge look like? I know you, I think you have JFM listed as a defensive tackle, but for, and, and I think of him more as a defensive tackle as well, but for simplicity's sake, let's say he's in your edge group. What does your edge group look like?
1: uh yeah so i guess if you throw jfm in there um you know lawson johnson uh lawson johnson huff martin clemens i think those are your locks and i do have curry in this group but he's definitely the biggest um probably of of all the players when you're making you know these 53 prediction he's one of the most crucial players in terms of do i keep him on or do I keep him off and he could open up a space for a tough cup player at another position. So he's going to be a really interesting piece here. Like you said, there could be an injury aspect to this where they find a way to keep him without really having him on the 53 um, based on his injuries. So that could definitely happen. Uh, I'm going to lean towards him staying just because the veteran leadership aspect. And I I think the fact that they, you know, re-signed him after last year's, You know What he went through last year in terms of his health is definitely a sign that they still have plans for him and want him to be a part of this team. So I'm going to go with him, but he's definitely one of the most impactful bubble players when you're trying to make out one of these 53s. I think he's
0: a pup guy because I think his biggest value is his leadership. You know, you, I've watched too much of, uh, is it One Jets Drive? Is that the, yeah, it's one. And I, I think I watched the first episode though. And he's the guy leading the defensive line meeting, you know, telling Michael Clemens to bring his, his Black Air Force energy and, you know, leading yeah. that group. And so, you know, he's clearly a guy a lot of guys respect. Like you said, he came back from last year. So I think they try to keep him in the building, but I think you can get that pup de- designation because of the hamstring. If they feel like he's going to be ready to go for week one and they, they still feel very high about him. It wouldn't surprise me if they keep him, but for now I'll go with an A, but, but I could see Zuniga as well. It's, it's a close uh, defensive tackle. Quinnen Rankins, Solomon Thomas, Jonathan Marshall, and Tanzel smart. That's five for me. If you include JFM, that's six, but five for me, the big notable cut here is Nathan Shepard. Who, in my opinion, it seems like the staff really likes. He does give him a big, you know, quote unquote run stuffing defensive tackle, although he hasn't really done too much. I mean, you said you texted me at
1: one point during the game, like, can you name one good Nathan Shepherd play <laughs> in his entire It was career? just completely an unprompted text. I was just like, Can you name one play he's made? <laughs> in and his the answer is no. The answer is absolutely no. He was an old rookie. And he hasn't made
0: a play. He's a McCagnan guy, but clearly, you know, I think he is probably a high character guy. Every time I've heard him talk, you know, it's hard not to like him. So I could see him sticking around, but I mean, Quinn and Rankins and Thomas are, are the locks for me. Jonathan Marshall has, has had a nice camp. He could be that round stuffing guy, Joe Douglas pick. I think he sticks. And then Tanzel smarts had a really nice couple preseason games. So, you know, for me, I think those five stick. What, is, what are your five defense or what are your defensive tackles uh, look like?
1: Yeah, so if you, if you count JFM as an edge and not include him here, um, well, either way, um, I have Quinton Williams, Sheldon Rankins, Solomon Thomas, and I do have Shepard making it, uh, unfortunately. Um, and that that's it for my defensive. Oh titles. wow, no Jonathan
0: um, Marshall. Okay, no
1: Marshall and no Smart. Uh, I know, I know, it's kind of bold, but I guess this going this way kind of gives you more options and in a few other spots on the roster. Like I yeah. think. Jackson is definitely an extra, I think, that I'm kind of putting on there. Uh, the fourth tight end. And the quarterback is a big part of this, too, because if without Wilson's injury, they're keeping two quarterbacks. I think it's pretty clear they're going to do that. So there are, there's going to wow. be a player somewhere who that quarterback is going to affect. And this might be it. Um, and, again, this is my prediction. I don't agree with this. Nathan Shepard is not a good player. I don't think – you can't really name a single thing he's done in four years with right. this team or in this fifth year preseason. Um, I know he used to be nicknamed like just fans are calling him Canadian Thanos when he got drafted, <laughs> but now he's more like the Thanos in end game at the beginning who gets his head chopped off. That's what he's more like. Not the one in infinity war. Nice, but, um, I wouldn't agree with this. So but, the one thing, yeah,
0: Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. The one thing I would say here, and I have them keeping five. And like you said, if they do, like if they can't get the MIM straight done or they want to keep six or whatever, this is a spot where you could lose a guy. Um, partially because, yeah, JFM can play inside and so can Michael Clements. So that gives you some inside versatility. So do you need five defensive tackles? Right. That's yeah. where you maybe could let us Tanzel Smart or Jonathan Marshall go. But that's a good, those I mean, a, Tanzel Smart, I think if you let him go, gets claimed, in my opinion. He's made too many plays in this preseason for me not to. To think that, so I don't know. I, I I really don't think Nathan Shepard sticks, but maybe I'm wrong. But I, I think for now, if they go
1: five receivers, this makes sense to me. Uh, linebacker, yeah, I'm sorry, I think oh, we'll just to wrap up on the defensive tackles. Like I agree, if it were if it were my preference, I would I would be keeping Tanzel Smart. He's been way too productive both last preseason and this preseason to be left off, and kind of in the same way as you know Strevler versus White. It's like how do you value the actual performance in the preseason versus who do, who have we invested more into or who's in a higher standing on the depth chart. So it's a similar thing to that. So I'm going to lean towards the guy who the staff seems to like more. Um which there's credence to because like you said earlier, the coaching staff gets to see these guys every day. See their how they work, how they are in the meeting room, how they perform in the practice field. Uh, and that stuff matters. All we get to see is a few reps in preseason. Right. Um, so there's credence to that, but at the same time, I think Nathan Shepard's really struggled throughout his career in most aspects. Whereas Hansel Smart, where when we've gotten to see him in preseason, has been very good. Um, and then Jonathan Marshall, I think uh, he's going to be a tough cut, but it's uh, other than the Falcons game, a couple of plays, and one of them he wasn't really blocked. Um, other than that, you just haven't seen much from him to that matches up the. The athleticism score that he had, so it, but I think you can get him on the practice squad. That's what I, think, I was going to say. I think he would make it. I think so he has uh, a
0: higher chance yeah. of making it to the practice squad than Smart does. So if you have to cut a defensive tackle, I would cut Jonathan Marshall and keep Smart because I think Smart is has had too damn good of a preseason not to get claimed. uh But you know, again, sometimes as fans, you overrate your own players, and you know, there's 30 one other teams who are doing this in their head right now. They're like, oh, I really hope nobody else claims it. You know what I mean? So. It's not a guarantee that a guy like that would get claimed, but I would stick with, with Smart over Marshall. But for now, I'll keep both. At linebacker, I have been keeping four, Mosley, Williams, Quan, and Sherwood. Same for you? Uh, yeah, I have the same four. All right. I mean, I, that that means the release of Hamza Nazarene. He's a perfect example of one of the you – know, when you have as many draft picks as the Jets have had the last few years, some of those young guys will get cut. I think he goes right to the practice squad unless somebody claims him. I like what he can do. I like the potential for him. He's made some plays, but clearly he's not there yet to stick as a fifth linebacker. But who knows? Maybe by the end of the season, if he develops in the practice squad, he could be. Um and maybe makes an impact on special teams. Speaking of special teams, there's a big cut on this one for me. I have Sauce, Reed, Carter, Hall, who are all locks. Eccles, Gidry, but no Justin Hardy. Who, in my opinion, I think he's a really tough guy to keep because he's a t- for the Jets are, I think they're like 5 million under the cap or something like that. After adding Dwayne Brown, they need cap space. If you cut Hardy, that gives you 2 million free right there. And that's just a hard, it, it's a hard ass to say you got to keep this guy and not free up to 2 million when he just plays special teams. He's a great gunner. Absolutely. But I think you can get that. I think you can replicate that production elsewhere. Um, maybe he takes a pay cut. I don't know, but it just, it, the Jets are too deep and too cap strapped to keep a permanent special teamer, in my opinion, uh, especially one who's like not returning kicks, like a gun, a permanent gunner is just, it's a luxury that I don't think the Jets have. And I think uh, Eccles actually played solid today. And I think Guidry's their only backup nickel guy. And he's, you know, it seems like the staff likes him as well. So those are the six I kept, Michael, what is your, what is your cornerback depth chart look like?
1: I have the same cornerback unit and Hardy is Hardy's right there with Curry as one of those two veteran guys who's a very key cut in terms of the domino effect that he creates um, but I think, like you said, the cap relief you get from releasing him, I think is worth it versus what he brings. And he is a, he is a very good special teamer. Uh, that's for sure. But I think he was a little bit below last season what you expected to be getting out of him. Let's not to say he's bad, but I, I just think he was you know pretty good versus you're paying him to be for a guy who plays zero defense. You're paying him to be an elite special teamer and I don't think he was quite at that level and this preseason, I don't think he's been at that level either. So uh, I think it's a cut you can make. And it's also tough because he's definitely another leader on the team, but uh, yeah, just, just looking at across this roster and, you know, some of the players that, you know, you're thinking of letting go, it's kind of hard to stick with a pure special teams, only guy um, who does have a decent cap number that you can get out of uh, who can't contribute to defense at all. So I th- it's, it's a tough one. I could see him making it, but I'm going to go with this prediction. I'm going to, I have him off.
0: And then I also think a guy like Isaiah Dunn, who will probably get cut is a, is a great candidate uh, for the practice squad uh, as well. Now taking a look at safety and there's, this is an interesting position as well. The Jets let go of Elijah Riley this week. Um, which, you know, was a little surprising to me that they did it this early. I thought there was a guy they might try to stash in the practice squad. The Steelers claimed him. Um, I don't know if he has enough time to stick on there, but I have him keeping four. The Jets kept three last year, so maybe they'll only keep three this year, but I am keeping four. Whitehead, Joiner, Pinnock, and Parks. I think Parks, to me, has very clearly outplayed Ashton Davis and has very clearly been the th- Jets' third best safety. I think he has to make it. Pinnock, a converted corner. I thought has been pretty good in limited action in the regular season. He's made some mistakes this year in preseason. Um, but to me, I think, I think he sticks on uh, as a, as a safe. So I have the Jets keeping forward. Michael, what about you?
1: Yeah, I also have four safeties, Whitehead, Joyner, Pinock, and Parks. Yeah. And that means maybe Ashton Davis sticks on the practice squad. Again, kind of like we're talking about with
0: Mims where it's like, Hey, maybe there's a GM who really liked Ashton Davis who, tries to bring him into the fold, but he clearly has not, not been impressive on tape. There was some rumblings about him in, dra- in the draft process, you know, potentially being a late first or an early second. Maybe those are overblown, but you know, you never know. Maybe another you know, team claims him. I think the Jets can probably sneak him onto the practice squad if they want. Uh, Tony Adams is another guy who I thought has made some plays in this preseason, so maybe he uh, sticks on the practice squad. But, yeah, that's four safeties right there. Then Zerline, Mann, and Hennessy round out the roster. So that's 53 for me. Uh, ours look a little bit different. I may be thinking more at the heart. Michael's thinking with the brain. We'll see. It never exactly looks like how you think it will. There's always some surprising cuts. Um, before we get out of here, Michael, who's one su- su- surprising cut you think the Jets might have? One guy that you think you'd be like, what? Because it kind of seems like there's one of those every year, like, like a Tevin Coleman or somebody like that. You, like Who is a, a guy you could see just maybe getting cut that we're not even talking about?
1: Um, I guess – I'm gonna to try to pick a good answer for this. I don't have one off the top of my head, and I guess that's the point of it. Because if it were off the top of my head, it wouldn't be that surprising. Um, so I'm scanning this right now. I can stall for you. I can. I can give you a few. All I right. think
0: Go ahead. Stall for this, me, though. This, this is my gift right here. I'm great at this. All right. Uh, I think Tevin Coleman, as I mentioned, is an, is a candidate. Uh, zonovan Knight did make some plays. It seems like Coleman's pretty trusted by the staff, and also Coleman's had some big runs. So. I don't think that happens. Maybe Jeff Smith is a guy who kind of we kind of think is a lock because Calvin Johnson, okay. Calvin Jackson's made some plays. Although Jeff Smith brings you value in special teams, and especially if you cut Hardy, Smith might be your best gunner. So I don't know about that. Uh, on the offensive line, psh, uh, Doga wouldn't really be a big surprise. So nobody really there. Defensive line, maybe a Bryce Huff. Maybe he was playing pretty late into this game. I'm just trying to think about like a big surprise. I don't think Huff gets cut. We're just trying to think of some shockers here. We want shock value here. Here's here's one. Here's one. Uh, very unlikely, but Sheldon Rankins, maybe. I could see. Okay. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I was looking at him.
1: I was thinking about it, but I just I haven't seen the evidence that it's on the table.
0: Th- these are long shots. That's the point. We're yeah. trying to find potential guys yeah. that we could get. Throw cut. logic
1: out the window. How about yeah. Eccles? How about that?
0: that? That's another one. That's a guy. That, there you and go. I, and I talked about Pinnock a little bit, too. So between Pinnock and Eccles, maybe there's somebody there that gets cut. And fit, you know, an echo. Maybe they cut Eccles and keep Isaiah done, you know, or they just keep it five or, corners.
1: No, maybe, you know, cut Zach Wilson, start oh, Chris Trevlich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, no, I'm just kidding. Um, all right. Well, I think
0: that should do it for us. Uh, We will be back later this week, breaking down the 53. We'll have a, what do you think? We'll have an initial reaction to the 53 man roster, something like that. I mean, there's always that we have to let the dust settle. So that's 24 hours after Tuesday. That's when they can put guys in the practice squad and stuff. So maybe we'll have a pod Thursday, Thursday or Friday, something like that. So we'll have a pod later in the week talking about the roster and see whatever moves they made, if they traded Mims or whatever happens. Um, so we'll, we'll be talking about the fallout in the next episode later this week. We will be back pretty consistently on the Monday schedule, especially as we get into the season. Cannot believe it's almost here. Michael and I will be at the game together. Very excited for that it's gonna be first time we've seen a game together hopefully it's good luck maybe maybe together the uh probably not likely but maybe maybe we get some good luck (laughs) you and i watch the game together um so couldn't be more excited for that
1: actually there is a little bit of a precedent here we did technically watch the draft together oh that's true and then the draft was quite successful i think most jets fans would agree so yeah all right pretty good start there maybe you're right all right so maybe if maybe Maybe we get some, some Flacco
0: magic. We have plenty of time to break that matchup uh, down. We got two weeks before that happens, So very excited for that. As I said, we'll be back later in the week, uh, breaking down the fallout from the, from the roster cuts. Um, But overall successful preseason, Robert Sala undefeated in the preseason has that one tie against the Eagles, but I count that as a win. That's a hail Mary and a two point conversion. So six, you know, kind of six wins in my book for Robert Sala in the preseason. So Joe Douglas really bringing that, uh, that Ravens culture did, did, did the Jets go undefeated in 2019 in the preseason
1: because they beat the uh, Giants. They had one loss. Did f- they beat I the Falcons? Uh, they beat I was at that game, they beat yeah. the Falcons. Um, and then they I know they had Giants one team. loss, I forget who it was. Okay, though. probably probably the Eagles. Did they played three, no, there was, was four games back then. So, who was it? was those four. All right, Saints. I pulled it up. They say Saints. they lost to the Giants and the Saints, they were two and two. Oh, they lost that job. Okay. Well, never mind. That,
0: that was Adam Gacy's. So I was just trying to see if Joe Douglas was undefeated, but it felt like a win, still...
1: remember the first team offense had a really good drive. Ah, uh, that's what it was. Well, yeah. I mean, look, I think pre- I, the things you can take away from
0: preseason, like you said, are, you know, you want to see this team have an identity. You can clearly see, um, you know, the, the, some of these players really making real progress. You can see, the weapons getting separation and the offensive. I mean, you can get like a, an image coming into focus about what this team will look like, but at the end of the day, three and preseason doesn't mean anything that goes to a zero and zero starting tomorrow, but pretty cool. The jets have had three straight comeback victories. I think that does kind of speak to the character of the team a little bit. I think you can, you can draw some conclusions out of that and some of the adjustments, the coaching staff has been able to make. So there's, you know, maybe we're reaching a little bit, but it's certainly a win is always better than a loss, even if it's preseason. So you know, if, we, if if they had lost, you'd be like, it doesn't really matter. It's preseason, so you got to kind of keep that same attitude. But at the same time, a win's a win. So you can follow us at Pod on Twitter. Myself at Ben W. Blessington. Michael at Michael underscore Nania. Go to JetsExtractor.com for the best place to go for Jets content. That'll do it for us. We'll be back later in the week. Go Jets.